Welcome to the Game 7 Show! It is Tuesday, December 17th, live from Met Radio. It's your host, Will Sattler, alongside Isaac McGarren for episode 48 of Game 7. What it do, baby? It does not feel like December, man. Not today. It does not feel like we're, what, six days away from Christmas now? Seven yeah. days? Oh, I guess we are, huh? Yeah. How many presents have you gotten yet? Um, I've done actually a fair amount of my uh, Christmas shopping already. I think I've only done like two of the gifts that I need to get. And I have like double that I really need to get this year. So Really? I really need to step that up. Hello, Mr. James Berkey's in the background. He's, he's looking in, giving us the eye. He's got, he's got some Starbucks in there. Um... Game 7 Podcast is hosted by Met Radio. Met Radio is the student voice of MSU Denver. Met Radio plays a small part of Met Media. Met Media accompanies the TV, the radio, the newspaper, and the magazine. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. This podcast is brought to you with the help of Rebel Promotions. Rebel Promotions is a full-service marketing firm that provides creative marketing solutions and support to the Denver metro area businesses, organizations, and nonprofits. They specialize in strategies and campaigns that differentiate organizations and disrupt their industries. Their services include a combination of marketing strategies and campaigns, social media marketing, design and production of print materials, promotional items, along with effective campaigns, branding and eye-catching apparel along with a heck of a lot more you can go to rebelpromos.com or contact kendra fernandez at 303-650-7418 again that's 303-650-7418 nice shout out rebel promotions always they got us with those sweet polos man yeah man they say game seven and then on the other side it says hosted by or uh, met radio the student station of msu denver which is pretty sweet it's facts Pretty sweet, man. Internet radio is blowing up. Um, hit us up with questions for all of our podcasts. Interact with us on social media, as always. You can email us, game7show at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, Game7Show, YouTube, Game7Show, Twitter, at underscore Game7. Um, you can follow Will at Will underscore Sattler, and you can follow myself at Isaac underscore Bugarin. We got a, a, a different kind of a podcast today where it's pretty much just Broncos. It's pretty much just Broncos. We're going to analyze this, this latest Broncos-Chiefs game as well as looking ahead to uh, the Detroit Lions game here this Sunday. We're going to answer a couple questions about Drew Locke um, and, and, and a, a question about ownership, I guess, in the Broncos' front office. Um, but before we get into all of that, let's talk about today in sports history. Um, this day, December 17th in the past, 1978, Manny Pacquiao born in Kibawe, Bukidon, Philippines. I hope I didn't I didn't butcher that. Manny Pacquiao, probably one of the greatest fighters or boxers of, of all time, especially of our generation. Uh, 1978, Chase Utley is born. Chase Utley is a what a um, he won a World Series with the Phillies. Is he a Hall of Famer? Ooh, that's a good question. I think so. He's had he's had a long career. It's not like he's really done anything too bad. I mean, the only thing I can think of that that's <laughs> that's like really bad. Like when I think of Chase Utley is when There's he There's literally created. a rule in place for Chase Utley. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Chase Utley rule uh, about sliding into um, into players at second base. Um, but 16 seasons. Where, uh, where was he from? Wasn't he from... I don't know where he was from. Good I guy, could, though. I couldn't tell you. But, I mean, offensively and defensively, Chase Utley's pretty good. Um, He's career on base percentage of 359. Uh if he's 376 or better during 
his six-year peak from 2005 to 2010. So having an on-base percentage of 376 for six years um, with the Phillies was pretty good. Indeed. Indeed. Um, can you tell me where Chase Utley went to college? Um, San Diego State. No. University of California, Los Angeles. UCLA. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> UCLA. Um, in 1991, the Pittsburgh Penguins scored a team record of eight goals in one period in the second session of a 10-2 win over um, the San Jose Sharks, who were just an NHL expansion team. Back in 91, man. That was 1991. In 2012, Minnesota Vikings quarterback Christian Ponder weds ESPN reporter Samantha Steele in Hudson, Wisconsin. Kind of interesting to think Christian Ponder, a guy that could not throw a football to save his life in in the National Football League, somehow gets a wife of an ESPN reporter. What's up with that, bro? And she's older. Christian Ponder was 25. Samantha Steele was 27. I mean, she probably knows he's going to make some good money, so... Yeah, man, you know those quarterbacks that make bank. No matter if they're good or not, Joe Flacco. I'm trying to think. Do I know Samantha Steele? I mean, Steele sounds familiar, but... Yeah, like, it it sounds familiar. She's a... um, Sunday NFL Countdown, that's right. Yeah, she was talking about it, man. She's doing interviews. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, Hudson... NFL NFL Countdown, ESPN College Football, and basketball sideline reporter. Okay. Hud- Hudson, Wisconsin. What a beautiful place to get married. Yeah, where the heck is Hudson, Wisconsin? It's in the Midwest, man. Well, it's Wisconsin. Ove. It's Wisconsin. Um, in 2014, get this one. 103-year-old Gus Andrioni records the eighth ace of his career on a 113-yard 14th hole off of Lakes Course in Palm Air, Sarasota, Florida. He's the oldest golfer to record a hole-in-one. Will, what will you be doing at 103 years old? Because I guarantee you it's not putting a hole-in-one 113 yards away. I sure hope so. I, I hope I hope I can hit a golf ball that far. I, I hope I hope I can still walk when I'm 103 years old, let alone swing a golf club. When we're 103 years old, it'll be 2,100. That's right. I'll be it'll be 2103. What will they call it? Um, because you could always call it 2020, but you can't. 2103 is that what we're gonna call the year? No, it'll be 2000. And 113. It's not like 2000, we call it 2103. But the, it was like they didn't call it, no, it'd be 2103 because My, we call it 1884, 1996, 2001. It's going to be 2103. It is going to be 2103, you're right. Um, Unless they change the structure of the years. You know, huh. it's a long ways away. You never know what could happen. Will the Rockies have a World Series by 2103? I sure I hope so. It. I guarantee oh, it. Oh, that, that's a guarantee? That's a guarantee. All right, put it in the books right now. Will's guaranteeing a Rockies World Series the lo- by 2103. No, well, think, think about it. The longest The Cubs went 103 years without it. 108 Or 108 years, years excuse me. But they, they would have to go to like 2020 for that to happen since they went to the World Series and... Well, they no, w- no, they they went to the World Series in that 108 year span, but they just didn't win it. Right. Well, and then think about the the Rockies. Right. When did they? 1995. Or ni- you call it 93. That's when they were. That's when the Rockies were born. So 100 years would be 2000, 2093. So they're 2099. 100. Be 108 years. 2099. Yeah. So it would be in the century. Huh. I think it's very possible. It could happen next year. I don't know. If I'm 103 years old, I hope I can swing a golf club. 
If I'm 103 years old, I hope I can remember when the Rockies won a World Series. That'll be the only memory you have. I hope I can be in Coors Field when it happens. What if it happens at Fenway Park? I want to watch the game in Coors Field. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> from your watch owner's party. box? Yeah, from from a... Or if... Unless somehow I was like able to be like a journalist or something, was able to cover the Rockies oh, as like a reporter. You know, that'd be kind of sweet. Interesting, sir. Um, something I don't want to see is the Broncos losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. But we just saw it this last Sunday, 23-3. to Drew Locke, 18 of 40, 208 yards, one interception, one fumble, and he was sacked twice. What What are your real takeaways from this game, Will? It was snowy. You're, <laughs> no way. <laughs> you're facing uh, arguably still the best quarterback in all of football. You're facing a team that's going to the playoffs again. Yeah. Uh, take everything and throw it out. I agree with you on that one. Um, I just think... Eh, 18 of 40 looks bad, but he was throwing the ball a lot in the second half. Um, yeah. The, the way I see it is... Um, I stopped watching after the first half. That's flat yeah. and simple. Yeah, the way I see it is neither of us had, had the Broncos winning this game. Neither, neither of us said that the Broncos were going to be in this game. But I think you want to stay competitive in a game like this and Von Miller's fact, comments at the end um, uh, really proved that also. Um, we'll get to that in, in a little bit. But in a, in a snowy Kansas City game against arguably a Super Bowl contender, um, you really can't take much from this game. You really have to just take this game and just scratch it and just delete the record, delete the, the tape. Um, never look back at it and just move on to the next Detroit Lions game. That's really what you got to do. Well, this is exactly what I said last week is what does this team do when it faces adversity, right? Yeah. They had a perfect game the week before. And then then what happens? I mean, you play perfect against the Texans. Your defense shines out, shows out. Um, Drew Lock shines. He's shooting bullets out of his uh, arm sleeve, you know, yeah. Buzz Lightyear. And then you go into a snow game against a really good team. And... I mean, I don't think there's a lot of people in football that would be surprised that the Chiefs end up in the Super Bowl again this year. Again. I mean, they were uh, an overtime period away from it last year. Yeah. And so, I, I this is they're facing a good team and they're competitive. Twenty-three to three does not sound competitive, but I mean, I, I this is the part where I think it's a little tough to to actually dissect um, a game like this because. On the flip side, you look at, at Patrick Mahomes and, and you can say, well, Patrick Mahomes did X, Y, and Z, and he had a, a pretty good game, and, and he had to play in the same conditions as Drew Locke. I think the difference of this is that Patrick Mahomes, one, is an MVP candidate. Yeah, he's one. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has played in Kansas City and played in the snow for years. You know, he's already going on three years of playing in there. He already knows that weather, and he, he has key pieces around him on offense and on defense that can just absolutely shine you know regardless of the conditions and so it really makes makes it a lot easier on a guy like Patrick Mahomes to, to play in snow and, and play in this kind of weather as it does for a rookie quarterback making his third NFL start um, in the snow he's already got the pressure of it being like a homecoming game I mean he's what 22 23 miles outside of um, Kansas City where he where he's from it just it just doesn't make a lot of 
um, sense to, to really hold this game against Drew Locke. I just don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to 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 really just pin it on Drew Locke in this game. He's 18 of 40, which, yeah, you want to see some more completions. But in the second half, like you said, he had to throw the football a lot. 208 yards, one interception, one fumble, and he was sacked twice. Um, you know, if, if you want to go back, it's three games that Drew Locke has played, and he's been sacked three times. I would take that from the offensive line. I think the other point to, to mention here is if you look at the play calling, your Pro Bowl running back got seven carries. Exactly. Uh and here's an interesting point that I was listening to Altitude Sports Radio this morning, and they said when you're an undrafted free agent, you have the opportunity. I don't think it's opt out, but you can restructure your contract after two years. So there's a pretty good chance Philip Lindsay can walk this or hold out essentially this next year, and the Broncos are going to have to pay the man. And oh. that that raises the question: if they have to pay him, are they going to play him more? Uh, how how does that change? So, there's a lot of money coming up on the books. They're gonna have to pay Justin Simmons. Um, Chris Harris Jr. will probably walk. Yeah, that's a given. Um, and then you have Joe Flacco. If you cut him, you only have to pay him three million dollars. Um, I don't think many teams would trade for him. I mean, think about the L.A. Chargers. Would they trade for a Joe Flacco? Is Joe Flacco better than Philip Rivers right now? Ugh, that's a that's a tough question. Um, both Joe Flacco and Philip Rivers are are not that good of quarterbacks. For a while, I was actually thinking that Philip Rivers would be a Bronco next season. It, is it, no, you you don't see John Elway. If, had Drew Locke not had a, an impressive two games, um, you don't think John Elway would have went after a guy like Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers has been one of the Broncos' biggest rivals in his entire career. But he plays decent against the AFC West. Yeah, it's <laughs> that would be like. And he provides that veteran leadership, that fire, that spark. Um, and, and again, it could have been a situation much like uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. It could have been another situation just like that. Well, we said the same thing about Joe, Joe Flacco. Flacco but, but that's also different because I think Joe Flacco, he said before he came to Denver that he was not going to train a quarterback. He was not there to, to help a rookie quarterback um, would you, get his feet wet in the league. But would you want your quarterback saying, yeah, I'm just here. I'm, I'm paying you $13 million a year, but I'm just here to train the rookie quarterback. I, he said the right thing there. I mean, he's he said he's here, here to, to win play football. football. He said he's here to win football games. But well, at the Is end, anybody else on this team not here to win football games, though? That's exactly yeah, what you want him to say. But, but John Elway, brought, everybody knew that when John Elway brought in Joe Flacco, it was to mentor Drew Locke. Everybody knew that. Right, or it was, it was actually to mentor whoever was that that ended up getting drafted um, this season. Right, and that's the way I see it. <sighs> to bounce back to Philip Lindsay, um, he's got 850 yards rushing so far this season through 14 games. Right, he's so close through to- these next two games, he's got to get another 150. Um, to to reach a thousand again, but seven carries, thirty five yards, it's not going to get him there. Exactly, especially when you're only averaging sixty yards a game, as opposed to last year when you're averaging um, seventy. And he didn't oh. even play in a game sixteen. Yeah. So I mean, is, is it teams that are just figuring him out? Is it the offensive line just not working hard enough when he runs the ball? Is it him not getting enough carries? Because so far he's last season through fifteen games he had one hundred ninety two attempts. This season, through 14 games, he's at 187 attempts. So he's really had more. He's had more attempts in less time. 
by about 20 attempts. On average, if that's what you really want to look at. Um, so he's not on pace to break 1,000 again this year. He's on pace to hit, what, 920. 910. Not even 910. He's not even on pace to break 900. He's on pace for... Yeah. So it just... It just for I think for Philip Lindsay to come out and say he wants to restructure his contract would be the wrong move. I don't expect him to do that. Because if you look at the, the numbers, don't lie. He got more. T- he's getting more attempts this season. Less yards per um, per attempt. His longest is only 40 yards. He's not hitting the end zone near as much. Last year, he had a long of 65. This year, he has a long of 40. Last year, he had nine touchdowns through 15 games. This year, he has six touchdowns through 14 games. I'll ask the question, then. If you're getting seven carries a game and you're losing, do you want to stay on this football team? He can get a job with another team. He can get a job with anybody else he wants, pretty much. He's a Pro Bowl running back. Exactly. He'll get a job, you know. But at the end of the day, if you're getting seven carries and you're losing 23-3, to it means you're not you're not being the Broncos don't value Philip Lindsay as high as I think they did last year. And that exact point goes, and you've seen this across the NFL, if they're not going to pay him, if they're not going to value him like he deserves, he's going to go somewhere else. He's going to hold out until they do that. And then will things change? Will he start getting more carries with another team? With the Broncos if they end up paying him. Well, if you're if you're gonna pay the man, I mean, just to throw a number out there, four million dollars. That sounds about right. Then I think obviously you get more carries, but that's still not what Royce Freeman is getting. Royce Freeman's got to be getting more than than four million. Well, and, and another point to make is this was Royce Freeman's game to play in. I mean, big, strong running back in the snow. Um, you got a an interesting Chiefs defense up front, and he didn't show up. He he was a, basically a no show. Yeah, Royce Freeman, uh, four years, four million, and that's what he got through the draft. So, um, Philip Lindsay should be making at least that next year, and a signing bonus of a million dollars, and a million of it's guaranteed. So that raises a really good point. What did the Broncos do with Philip Lindsay? What do you do with Royce Freeman? What do you do with all the with with a bunch of this young core? Because eventually, I mean, like you said, Chris Harris is going to walk. We know that. Another guy that might not want to be in Denver anymore is Von Miller. Von Miller had some very, very interesting comments that he made after the uh, 23-3 loss against the Chiefs. Um, do you have Do you have the audio pulled up? Here it is. Drew's definitely the future. You know, it's 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 everybody around. You know, it's you know guys got to get open. Offensive line got to block. Got to run the ball. Just cliche, you know, little stuff. Drew. Drew's doing what he needs to do. Defense, we gotta stop the run. We gotta rush the passer. We gotta play tight coverage. You know, it's, we sound like I sound like a broken record up here. We saying the same thing. You know, we we found a quarterback. We got a, we got a great quarterback play. You know, everybody else gotta come along. It's, you just can't lean on one guy. Offense, defense, special teams. It's, it's the pros. You just can't lean on one guy to do it all or to save you. It's, it has to be a collective effort by the foundation of the team. You know. And you, when you get stars, you know, stars are going to take you to the next level. You know, we got one in the quarterback. We got a receiver. You know, 
we got guys all around, but we, we got to come on with it. You know, it's, you know, for me, I guess, it, I guess it just, it just looks different from my lens. You know, I'm, I'm 30 years old. You know, I've been playing in the league nine years. Like, you know, I'm ready to hit the gear. I'm ready to go again. You know, I'm ready to you know, bring whatever we had in the past back. I want that back. You know, down years, two down years, three down years, four down years. We, we did that. Like, now I'm trying to, like, get back going again. And whenever you, you know, I'm not just thinking for me, but whenever we put it all out there, we play hard. Whenever we put it out there and we come up short, it's, it's definitely defeating. You know, it's more than just winning or losing. It's just, just defeats my soul, you know, to go out there and, you know, play the way we play and, you know, lose the way we lose. That was Vaughn Miller after the game. Um, yeah, very, very interesting comments from him. But I'll say this. This is exactly what you want from your leader. And moving, Vaughn, th these comments don't sound like he wants out. This, this sounds like he wants to make a change, and he's shown that the entire year. I mean, calling player-only meetings, yeah. taking the team out. Um, he hasn't been the Vaughn Miller that we used to know. But, I mean, that was a generational player that we used to know. Honestly, I don't think it, it necessarily is. Um, it, it's not necessarily him wanting out of Denver. It's just him expressing his frustration with the entire season. Uh, he he went on to say later on in the interview, or in, later on in in the uh, post game press conference, was that he just wants to be competitive, you know. And I, and I think the Broncos have had a lot of those competitive games this year. And and I think losing in those competitive games just stings way more than losing twenty three to three by two or three possessions. Um, so again, like if if you're losing by a, a last second field goal or walk off field goal, a a, a walk off touchdown, like that's that's different um, because you're playing good and you're playing solid minutes for fifty nine and a half minutes all the way up to that last possession. You know, it's not like when you're playing against the Chiefs when you're you're down two possessions in the second half or in the first half, excuse me. But can you really blame him for having this mindset? I mean, he's been with the team through the winning times and he's trying to put out the same the same results. I don't even know, the same product on the field. And now they're losing these games. So I mean I get his frustration. But but can you really can he can Von Miller really point the finger at other people? Because the way I see it is is what are his stats? What is he doing on defense to help to help this Broncos team. Because the way I look at it, I'm I'm a big numbers guy, and I know a lot of people are, and they look specifically just at the numbers. This year he's only got seven sacks. Only seven sacks. That's well, you want to compare that to last year where he had 14 and a half? Right. He's, but, so he's doubled. or he, He's gone gone down by over 50%. Well, and also keep in mind, with, with those 14 and a half sacks, he had Bradley Chubb on the other side. He is the only person on this team right now that can rush the passer. Okay, but he's also only getting twelve assists. If you're saying that that he is he's the only one that can rush the passer, then why is he only getting twelve assists and seven sacks? It just doesn't make it, the numbers don't add up for me to be able to say Von Miller, you deserve to be on another team because you're the you're the clear All Star Super Bowl MVP type caliber player every single game. You're getting three sacks a game. You're leading the league in all these numbers because the reality is that he's not. Well, no, and I agree with you, but I, I think the key point is teams are now starting to focus on him. It, before, in years past, especially in that Super Bowl run, you had a Hall of Famer on the other side of the offensive or the defensive line. 
and that makes it incredibly hard to choose one. You have to choose one that you're going to yeah. stop. You can't decide to block DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller on the same possession. It just doesn't work like that. And if you try to do that, you're going to be playing man-on-man, and it's three receivers, and you're not going to have much time. So, And now he's playing without Bradley Chubb, who is not necessarily at this point in his career a Hall of Famer like DeMarcus Ware, but he's putting up good numbers, or he was at least, to, to really balance out the defensive line. So until Bradley Chubb gets healthy, I don't expect Von Miller's numbers to be the insane numbers that he once was. We have to appreciate the fact that he was one of the best defensive ends that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, he'll be 31 next season. But, I mean, just just the amount of the numbers that have gone down since the Super Bowl, not necessarily just because he's losing somebody on the other end of the of the um of the defensive line, but I mean, okay, so you want, you want to go to Super Bowl fifty that season? Um, he was the he has, he has eleven sacks that season. Okay, five five assists and thirty five tackles. Uh, he was the MVP of a Super Bowl. You don't hear that from an outside linebacker, from a defensive end, from a okay. a pass rusher. Yes, but then you want to go back to the last four years where the Broncos haven't made the Super Bowl. Okay, so twenty sixteen. I'm not going to point the finger at Von Miller because it really wasn't his fault. He had a great season. Probably he doubled pretty much almost. Every statistic, every stat possible except for sacks. He has 78 total tackles, um, 16 assists, and 13 and a half sacks. So that was really his peak year. That was one of his peak years. Was 2016. But you, ever since then, in, in 2017, he had 57 uh, total tackles, six assists, and 10 sacks. So his sacks went down by three and a half. His assists went down by 10, and his total tackles went down by almost 20. All right. Go go back to the next year. Or um, down to 2018. Again, his total tackles are 48. Sacks go up to 14 and a half. Um, but he has 19 assists. So really, he 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 went up in just about. He went up in assists and he went up in sacks, but his um, total tackles went down by a, a nine again. All right. So then you want to go go again to 20, 2019. 40 tackles, 12 assists, seven sacks. So it's a big difference between your 2016. Von Miller and your 2019 Von Miller, where your 2016 Von Miller got 78 tackles and your 2019 is getting 40. I think that's the biggest difference. Is that that was the difference of 38 tackles in two or in four seasons. Yeah, and another point to make here is he's also been going through defensive coordinators like crazy. Yeah, um, that is true. It, it it yes that how does that really affect a pass rusher? But you've seen time and time again in the last few years where he's been dropped into coverage, and you're like, why is Von Miller in coverage? He should be rushing the quarterback, and different things like that. So, uh, program changes, or I guess playbook changes, not having the help that he used to have. I I'm not disappointed in what he's putting out, and I'm not disappointed in his reaction to how they're playing. I'd rather he responded like that and be like, you know what, we got a good quarterback, we played our hearts out, um, but we lost to the Chiefs again. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's exactly how you want your team leader to respond. He, if if there was captain logos, like if there were one captain like there is in hockey, he would be wearing the captain logo right now, and I don't think anybody's debating that. He's the captain of this football team. He's yep. the leader. He leads this team, and when it a team is not doing well, where does the fault fall on? The captain. Yeah. So he he's taken a lot of the blame for still a pretty good year. Seven sacks is nothing to shake your head about. Yeah. So, But um, if you really – do I think Von Miller should be traded? No. Do you think Von Miller should be traded? No. no. Um, but if you, if you wanted to explore that idea, you could still get pretty good 
Uh, you could get great value out of a Von Miller trade, and you can free up some cap space for other players. Not yeah. saying that it should happen. I don't believe Von Miller should be trading. You don't. You don't believe Von Miller should be traded. But the reality of it is, that, is if the numbers are low, you might as well get something out of him while you still can. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. That's that's like trading on Charlie Blackman. It just you can't trade the leader. Oh, don't the get face me started. Of the team. Don't get me started okay. on the trading of Charlie Blackman. It's like trading Nolan Arenado. Like you don't okay, I'll do take, that. I'll take that. I'll take that. That's the face of your franchise. You can't trade that person. But the numbers for Nolan Arenado are extremely high. Like he is, he's he got, is being a. He's a, got Trevor Story <laughs> and Charlie Blackman and David Dahl on the line. If he's got help, he's playing a Coors Field. <laughs> exactly. And so, so his there's no reason to trade Nolan. There's but no if you look to at, trade Von Miller. If you look at the numbers. Where his numbers are down from all the way back from 2016, when you're down by nearly 50% of your tackles, which is a lot in the NFL, Yeah. when you have 78 in 2016, then you come back in 2019 and you only have 40. I, I, you have, you the have numbers 13, say otherwise. 13 and a half sacks in 2016, and you got seven so far this season. He's definitely not the player he used to be, but there are a lot of factors that go into it. Yep. And I, I'm not disappointed in Von Miller whatsoever. Okay. Well. What we do have to look forward to is Drew Locke, obviously for the future, for the foreseeable future. Um, hopefully. I mean, it's been three games, and hopefully. everybody's jumped onto the bandwagon. Okay, so if Drew Locke gives the Broncos fans four good years and a Super Bowl, Let, let me describe this. So, this originally the idea of this comes from Lamar Jackson, right? And you look at Lamar Jackson, he's the guaranteed basically MVP of the, the league this year. Um, he led the Ravens to the playoffs last year. He's led them to a top two seed, I'm pretty sure, this year in, yep. in the AFC. If he gives the Ravens three or four years and then he falls off because of injuries, because he's a big quarterback or all that, or uh, give Cam Newton, for example. I mean, he won an MVP and took the Panthers to a Super Bowl. And to the playoffs for so many years. Correct. And now he's kind of fell off the face of the earth. If Drew Locke does something like that, where he gives the Broncos four good years of the the Drew Locke that we saw in Houston last week, are, are Broncos fans going to be happy if in four years they're going to be looking for a quarterback again? If he gives them a Super Bowl and takes them to the playoffs three out of the four years that he plays, if you include this year, which they don't make the playoffs. So then he makes the playoffs for the next three years. And he went to Super Bowl in two years. But then he just disappears. He falls off the planet of the earth. He's Case Keenum. He's traded. He's packed some land. He's cut. You know what I mean? Well, one, Broncos fans will never complain about a Super Bowl victory. Uh, yeah. But. Well, um, <laughs> are, you sure, are you sure about that? <laughs> but if you had to trade a Drew Locke's career for a Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure fans would take the Super Bowl. But you have three years. I mean, if obviously if he puts the Taylor uh, Peyton Manning career and plays for 20 years in the NFL and wins three or four Super Bowls and he breaks all these records, yeah, of course you're going to be happy. But is that okay if he doesn't do that? Are it's, you going to be like, Drew Locke should have his number retired? Drew Locke would only have his number retired if he plays... In his multiple career, Super if he, Bowls. Yeah, if he plays in multiple Super Bowls. I'll give you that. But if you get, <laughs> it's been if games. all you're asking for is four good years and a Super Bowl title, Bronco fans will take that. And then and then the hunt for another quarterback begins. Say he has a career-ending injury. Knock on wood. If you're with me. Knock on wood if you're with me. Last place in the division. 
man. <laughs> um, but but still, it, it's it just if if the Bronco fans get a Super Bowl out of Drew Locke, they'll praise him. They'll praise him, regardless. If Brock the same way, the same way Broncos fans praise Peyton Manning in Super Bowl Fifty for being a Peyton Manning subpar quarterback. Peyton Manning's a top three quarterback of all time. That that's you can't argue oh, that. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk right there. I would that's say a, that's a whole podcast in itself. If you want Tom, to talk about top Tom three. Brady, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning are top three. You're not gonna throw Joe Montana in there. He's gonna be top five, but he played in a different era. Oh, now now we're getting into eras. No. Because it's of all time. Exactly. If you want to talk about of this era, if you of put our Joe Montana in this era, he's going to eat alive this defense. He eats everybody's defense up. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie. The top 3 passing quarterbacks in NFL history are Drew Brees, Peyton Manning and Drew- and Tom Brady. Okay, but you're not going to throw John Elway in there for being a great quarterback throughout his entire career. You're not going to throw Dan Marino, Brett Favre. They're, they're in the top ten. Like those Johnny are Unitas. Qu- those are great quarterbacks, but the top three? Steve Young. My, like it just, my Mount Rushmore has those three quarterbacks on there. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees? Absolutely. And you could probably put John Elway on that list. That's your top four. Gosh. I, I don't know. The only knock you can really have on Drew Brees is his Super Bowls, and the same thing goes for Peyton Manning. But John Elway only Drew Brees has two. a Super Bowl. He does, but he only has one. Peyton Manning has six, or Peyton Manning Tom has Brady two. has six of those. Okay, so I don't, I don't understand your point. Would John you Elway, not say, John, okay, John Elway has two. Why would you put Drew Brees above John Elway? Would you not say Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time? Tom, Tom Brady is un. The undisputed greatest quarterback of all time. He's got the most rings. That is no question. That is that is not without a doubt a question. And then I would probably put Peyton Manning number two and Drew Brees number three. Drew Brees needs to win a Super Bowl this year or next year if he wants a chance at that position. Number two. Yeah. If Drew Brees beats New England in the Super Bowl this year, I mean, there's an argument. But he didn't really play this year. That's the other point you have to make. Teddy Bridgewater really carried that team. Okay, so so then to backtrack, um, if Drew Locke gives the Broncos fans a Super Bowl, they're happy. But then we're happy, right? But you don't think about that now. You're thinking that three years. Oh, it's your franchise quarterback. He's going to play for 15 years, and he's going to bring all these playoff runs. But if he's gone by 2025, okay, then so be it. That that's a very very so, possibly. Uh, that's. You but, can you can pretty much compare it to Peyton Manning. You can say, hey, listen, we brought Peyton Manning in here for four years. We know we're gonna get something out of him, you know. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get a Super Bowl appearance and a Super Bowl victory, if or two Super Bowl appearances and, and a Super Bowl victory, and then he's gonna leave us and he's gonna leave us high and dry. Is that okay? And I think Broncos fans would have taken that, and that's exactly what he did. Here's <laughs> you say that. Think about the last quarterback that was supposedly the future of the Broncos, which would have been Brock Osweiler. And what did he do? He gave us two years, maybe two and a half years of, I mean, he led that team to the playoffs. You can't say the 2015-2016 Super Bowl champions was not led offensively. It was led defensively. But but offensively, when they were led, it was by Brock Osweiler. C.J. Anderson. Was it? Because I think you could make the argument for Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. But who's throwing the football to them? Brock Osweiler, but how many passes did he miss? 
Did he? He wasn't. He wasn't a leader on that team. He was soft. You miss one hundred percent. You miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Uh, Michael Scott. I can't believe you just quoted him. <laughs> I can't believe you just used a Michael Scott. Michael Scott quote that made up. Wayne, I can't believe you just used a Wayne Gretzky made up quote from Michael Scott on this podcast. I cannot believe it. That is intellectual. Nonsense. nonsense. <laughs> that is intellectual nonsense. That is complete nonsense. Are you plugging Andrew Bogarin right now? <laughs> oh man. Let's let's get back on, on, on track here. Twenty twenty ownership. You 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 got this question in here. So would you be okay with Jeff Bezos owning the Denver Broncos? If you don't know who Jeff Bezos is, first of all, what are you doing? Are you living under a rock? Secondly, he's the owner, CEO, head honcho of Amazon, the biggest company in the world, essentially, right now. Yep. Um, and so he's looking into owning a NFL team. It's been rumored that he's met with the Detroit ownership team many, many times to look into owning the Lions. Uh, but the Broncos are one of those teams. They're, they're going to go to court next year, and they're going to decide what's going on with the Bolin ownership and all these different things. But if there are two teams that you could lead, you could be the owner of. You could be the owner of the Denver Broncos or the Detroit Lions. Who would you pick? I'd rather be the owner of the Denver Broncos. And that's not even a question. And I think most people around the world would say the same thing. So, But it, would you be okay with it? And that's the question. Because what relation to football does Jeff Bezos have? None. How can he make – well, you don't know that. Maybe he's a big football fan. He probably beat you in fantasy. I a mean, you were football, one in ten. A big billionaire football fan is a lot different than somebody that I just mean, wants to own it. That wants to be look able at to the make Clippers. Calls. Look at the Clippers. Steve Ballmer is a billionaire, and look what he's done there. He's got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George leading that but team to the two Look how seat. long it has taken him, and they're still the, first the round li- exit. they're still the little brother in Los Angeles. First round exit. There you go. First round exit. But if J- Jeff Bezos brings in, you know. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, the the tandem. Lamar Jackson's the new running back of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but but here's the the thing that I would be okay with is because obviously Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. He would bring a lot of capital to the Denver Broncos, whether yeah. it's fanfare, I mean, he's going to bring jobs, he's going to bring new technology. He, he's going to bring money to pay players. An Amazon store inside the stadium? Yeah. Like, you'd have Amazon basic stuff everywhere. It'd be really cool. You'd have drones flying around delivering packages during the game. <laughs> Let me order my Philip Lindsay jersey right now. Ding! Oh, sweet. In my chair. Would you be okay with that? Like, I, uh, The way I see it is... is if Jeff came in and wanted to own the Denver Broncos, as long as he's not looking at it as... An investment to make more Which money. He probably will. You know, if he's if if he's looking to win a Super Bowl, then I'm all in. Here's Again, but but if he's if he's just looking to to um, buy the Broncos for for a billion dollars and then sell them for no, for one billion dollars, one point three four billion, and you're making three hundred forty million off of it, then then that's where I'm out because um, you don't make money off of. Um, buying a team and putting money into it. That's not where you make your money. You make your money when you sell the team. I mean, here, if... I don't even know how to really put this, but there's not really... 
having Jeff Bezos or the CEO of basically any company right now run the football team, the Denver Broncos, they would be in better hands than what they are right now. Because there's really nobody, no leadership above yeah, John Elway right that now. That is true. And I'll make the point that John Elway has done an incredible job leading this team the last two years, maybe even three. Yeah. If you scratch the Garrett Bulls draft pick, he's drafted well. He signed a good load of free agents. He seems to have found a good head coach and a future quarterback. Um, he's kept his young players happy or his key players happy, Von Miller. Um, he's found a way to keep Chris Harris Jr. a little bit happy despite not paying him. Yeah. Somehow, but he's found like players like Alexander Johnson, Philip Lindsay. It, the list goes on and on. So if John Elway can get money and some support from ownership, who's 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 telling that Jeff Bezos can't bring in six rings, man? Who's who says no first, the Denver Broncos fans or Jeff Bezos? I don't think it'll be the fans. I would think it would be the the city of Denver. I I mean. You think about what he would have to do. I mean, parking would probably disappear and different things like that. <laughs> so, like, he would bring so many different jobs, hopefully. I mean, he's done a lot of good things in his life. Amazon headquarters. Is it going to be in Denver? No. No, they got turned down. I think it went to Seattle. Yeah. But imagine the if jobs. He owned, imagine if he owned the Broncos and brought the headquarters to Denver. If, if Jeff Bezos would be the owner of the Broncos, I mean, you could argue that Denver would turn into a Seattle or Chicago in the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it's already on that pace, but if you... That makes sense. If a you add a billion, the richest man in the world, I mean, not New York. New York has hundreds of years of... and That's a whole other world. But you can put him in that category, right? Yeah. I mean, huh. set, you know, west of the East Coast, what do you really have other than Chicago and L.A.? Texas, Austin, Dallas. I mean, Texas. You could say. I mean, then Seattle, L.A. Then what? Could you throw Vegas, Biz- Bismarck, North Dakota? That's a poor example. <laughs> like, so I mean, make huh. that next step with. But overall, to 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 wrap this this podcast up, um, what did what exactly did you learn today? I mean. I reaffirmed my trust in Von Miller and just understanding that he is doing things right as this leader. And it reminds me a lot of what Gabriel Landeskog did for the Avs when they were struggling, right? He was the captain of the team. He's been the captain through the good years, 2014, when they won a title or the division title, and the bad years where they were the worst team in hockey. And now the good years again. He's the leader of this team. So Von Miller was there for the good years, he's been there for the bad years. And he'd probably be here for the good years going forward. And so um, I have trust that he's going to really bring this team together and continue to be a leader. I think he's going to have a bounce-back year, and he'll be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation next year. Okay. I learned that uh, Drew Locke is going to be here for the foreseeable future, that – when you just talked about the good times with with Von Miller being here, Drew Locke is going to be a major part of that uh, of, of that era of good times for the Denver Broncos. Broncos are going to beat the Lions. They're going to beat the Raiders. We're going to finish seven and nine, and we're going to head into the 2020 NFL season on a positive note. That's what I learned. I mean, I I could see it definitely happening. The Raiders. I mean, they finished two games on the road. They're moving. 
the lines or the lines. They call it the Heisman game. I think that's what I heard. The for Drew Lock because this is where you pad your stats for the Heisman against the Lions. Makes like, sense. The poor defense. So, um, and if what what happens if Drew Lock throws a goose egg out there against the Lions? Then you're worried. Oh, then then you're then you're really starting to get worried. So, we'll we'll see. It'll be an interesting Sunday game in Denver. It'll be an interesting game. I'm hoping the Broncos win. We got the Lions in town, then we got the Raiders in town. The Raiders lost their final game in Oakland, and I'm so happy to hear that. I think we all are. It was so funny to hear and see all the fans throwing stuff onto the onto the field in Oakland in the Coliseum. This show is brought to you by Met Radio. Met Radio is the student voice of MSU Denver. Uh, Met Radio plays a small part of Met Media, which accompanies the TV, the, the radio, the newspaper, the magazine. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. As always, you can hit us up with questions for our podcast. Email us, Game7ShowGmail.com, Facebook, Game7Show, YouTube, Game7Show. You can follow us at underscore Game7. You can follow Will at Will underscore Sattler. And you can follow myself at Isaac underscore Bugarin. Save the dogs, man. Save the dogs. And if you're looking for a dog, go to the shelter first. We will see you next week. Next week, we'll be here. Rockies? All Rockies. See you guys later.